again, guys, I'd like to thank the Constantine High School for allowing us to come in here. And uh, um, a percentage of what we, we take up today, we're going to be um, given to the high school. I had met with the principal and some of the, um, the, the superintendents, assistant superintendents and stuff like that. And, and how we can, as a church, partner up with the high school. Is this not the coolest thing to have Jesus in a public high school? Amen. The way our society is today... The things that are going on in our communities, the, the, and I'm not even going to get into the weeds with this, but the things that are happening, it is amazing to have Jesus Christ preached in a high school. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, guys, we're, once we take up our offering, we are going to give a percentage of that to the high school. I've already met with the principal, and we want to just bless them any way that we can. Um, also, if anyone's in here, there are a lot of people here this morning, and we need volunteers. Y'all know we just started a church today? We just started a church today. Our kids' ministry is going to be the biggest um, mission field that we have here at Restoration. So if you guys feel called, and I promise you it's a calling to work with the children of Restoration Kids... Amen. We'd love for you to talk to Miss Tony, um, any of the leaders here. If you feel called that you want to help out, we would like to get enough volunteers. I love you, Greg Peck and Paul. That's Pastor Dustin's daddy right there. Amen. Yeah. But we'd like to get enough volunteers in our kids ministry where we can rotate once a month. Okay, which would be ideal so they would be able to come down to the service as well and get a little bit of Jesus in their life because God knows you need it when you're dealing with kids. Yeah. Amen. So again, we need volunteers, guys. If you feel called to, to volunteer, um, ushering, you know, greeting, helping out, set up, tear down. Um, we've been here since 7 o'clock this morning setting up so we can have a decent church service for you guys. Well, the worship was good. I don't know if the rest of it's going to be any good or not, but... We're, we're trying. But again, guys, if you feel led to, you know, or called to, to serve in any of those areas, please let us know. We, we need your help. We need your help. So grab your Bibles, grab your iPads, your iPhones, your Androids, Galaxies, whatever it is you guys are using. Okay. Everybody got a Bible? Yeah. Huh? There you go. Well, if you don't, you have a telephone. I know everybody here has got a telephone. So we're on the U version. Does anyone know what the U version Bible app is? Okay, so we're on the Uversion Bible app. If you click on that app, go down, there's a little little bar at the bottom left that says more. Oh, look here. Can we give it up for Scotty? The technical guru right there. But we are on the, on the Bible app. If you click more and it'll come up, it says events. Click on events, put in Restoration Church, and we should pop up there. Got it. Hey, you got it, see? See how easy that was? See how easy that was? I want you to open your Bibles to a little book in the Old Testament. It's called the book of Joel. It's a minor prophet, the book of a minor prophet named Joel. Joel. Joel, Joel. Depends on what part of the country you're from. I'm from the south. It's called Joel. That's where we're going. If you don't know where it's at, go to the table of contents. Don't sit back there and act like you know where it's at. Y'all flipping through there. We're going to read from chapter two. Actually, I'm going to be preaching from chapter one and uh, uh, chapter two this morning, but, but I want to start off in chapter two. Everybody there? Joel chapter two, starting in verse 25. He says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, 
the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. See, I like the beginning of that verse right there. Right? I like the beginning of that verse, verse 25. He says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the chewing locust, the consuming locust. All the, he said, my great army, which I sent among you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on restoration. Amen. amen. The name of this church. Amen. Restoration church. It's the theme of this church is restoration. Now is the time for restoration. Amen. Come on, I got one little golf clap up there. Now is the time. See? Some of y'all are getting a hold of that already. Turn to somebody and tell them it's the time for restoration. It's the time for restoration. See, somebody in here is already ready to receive that today. Somebody's ready to receive that. Can somebody get excited for me? This is Restoration Church. Amen. Because it's the time, it's the season that everything that the devil took from you, God is going to restore it to you. Amen. Everything that he took from you, God says, I'm going to give it back to you. Amen. So I feel like the Lord gave me this word for you guys. This has been something on my heart for a couple months um, that I wanted to share with you this morning because I'd asked my wife, can we give it up for my wife one more time, please? She's so lucky to have me. Man. So I'd asked Tara about two months ago. I said, Tara, what should our first message for Restoration Church be? She said, Restoration, duh. <laughs> way to think outside the box, honey. Went, went way out and pulled that one out. So the next day I was meeting with Pastor Dustin and, and Scotty. Again, let's give it up for our technical guru right there. Who was wise beyond his years. He, I was talking with Scotty. I said, Scotty, what should our first message at Restoration Church be? He said, Restoration, duh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if that ain't confirmation, Lord. I'm not kidding you. That's the God's honest truth. I said, well, if that ain't confirmation right there. So I want to tell you this. Um, if y'all came in here this morning expecting something different, it's their fault. This is what they wanted me to preach on, so this one's for them. Y'all come back next week, I got one for you. Okay? They said, <laughs> but I feel like I know that I know that I know that I know that this is a word from the Lord to Restoration Church. Amen? That this is a word for Restoration Church. Can you tell your neighbor this is a word for you? Will you do that for me? This is a word for you. This is a time of restoration. And everything that the devil took from you, the time your kids got in trouble, the time your marriage was in trouble, the time your finances was messed up, your finances are jacked up, they've repossessed your car, they took your house, all the stuff that happened to you. God wants me to tell the people of Restoration Church this morning that he is going to give it all back to you. He's going to give it all back to you. 
All the things that the devil took from you, all the things that the devil took from you, God says, I'm getting ready. He says, I'm going I'm to give it all back to you. Restoration. Amen. Why do you think we named this church Restoration Church? You've been crying. You've been depressed. You've been down. You've been, you've been worrying. But God wants me to tell you this morning, he's about to do the supernatural in your life. I'm here to tell you this morning. He's about to do things. Stuff's going to happen that you thought would never happen again in your life. I'm telling you. And this is exactly what Joel is trying to communicate to the tribe of Judah. Okay? He's trying to give them a word based on the circumstances that they're feeling. The children of Israel, specifically the tribe of Judah here, has disobeyed God. And God has brought judgment against them. He's brought judgment against them. He brought these locusts and it was one group right after another group, right after another group. He had brought all these locusts. And in fact, in fact, listen, when you read about locusts in the Bible, they were always a signal of God's judgment. Amen. In Exodus chapter 10, Egypt has a plague because Pharaoh refused to let the people go. In Deuteronomy 28, trees and produce are, are consumed by locusts. In Amos chapter 4 and chapter 7, it says the locusts, they just devoured everything. So every time you read of locusts in the Bible, except John the Baptist, they, God had to give him some food. <laughs> I just threw that in there. I made that. But every time you read about locusts in the Bible, it is a signal of God's judgment. See, these people here are in a troubling situation. They're experiencing a devastating disaster. They wake up one morning, check this out, and from, from out of nowhere, this swarm of locusts comes into their life. It comes in, and in fact, it, it comes in and it settles over the land and it stays there for a little while. They have devoured everything, guys. Listen, these locusts have devoured everything. They have come and they have taken the crop. They've devoured everything. They've beaten up the shrubs and the trees and, and everything has been wiped out. So let's go to Joel chapter one. I want to read in chapter one. It's, and this is such a, a devastating moment that verse four says this. Chapter one, verse four says, what the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust had left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust has left, the consuming locust has eaten. And it's saying that, that what, what one group of locusts had left behind, then another group of locusts comes up and starts devouring what they left behind. And then, and then what they left behind, another group shows up and then and starts devouring what, what they've left behind. Right? You've been in these kind of circumstances in your life. Amen? One incident came up and wiped out your savings account. Then another incident comes up and wipes out all your investments. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You've been here. And then something else came in and it looked like every time you turned around, something was happening and something was going on that brought devastation up into your camp. Amen. Amen. That's what it looked like. Every time something was going on, something was happening. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Am I just preaching to myself this morning? Hey, that's what they were experiencing. The problem is this, is what, what they didn't realize at the time, that the reason the locusts had come was because the people, specifically in the tribe of Judah, were living in some type of sin. Amen? I knew you, I got one little amen up there on that one. I knew it wasn't going to get a lot of amens on that point. Matter of fact, it was a come on. 
But the people were living in some kind of sin in their life at that time. The locusts have come because they had disobeyed God. There was some sin in their life. Look at, look at verse 5 and 6 in chapter 1 right here. And the prophet is talking to him and he says this. He says, awake you drunkards and weep and well you drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion and his fangs of a fierce lion. In other words, what God is telling them that this is happening because of their sin. There's something that's going on in their life. And this is what's happening. And in Joel, look at, look at verse 10. It says that the field is wasted. The land mourns for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. The field is wasted. The land is mourning. The grain is ruined, guys. Everything that they had invested in, everything that they had put their hopes in was gone. Amen. It was ruined. Amen. Amen. Everything they thought was going to bring them benefit had disappeared. Then in verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, be ashamed, you farmers. Well, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. Everything that they had thought of and everything that they had hoped of and everything that they put in to bring them profit had perished. Verse 12 says this, says the vine has dried up and the fig tree withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field has withered. Look at this, says, surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Everything they had hoped in and believed in had disappeared. Everything. And some of you are experiencing that very thing right now. The very thing that you had your hopes in. The job that you thought was going to bring you a career. The thing that you thought would take you to a place of victory is gone in your life. Amen. Come on. It says the trees and the fields are withered. And then it says in verse 12, it says, surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Come on. Not only is everything you hoped in and gone, all your joy is gone. You ain't even happy anymore. Amen. Am I just preaching to myself this morning? It says everything that you have put your hope in and everything that everything's gone and now your joy's gone. Some of you have contemplated doing some horrible things because your joy's gone. But I'm here to tell you before you do anything or harm yourself, your joy might be gone, but I'm telling you this morning that everything the devil took from you, come on somebody, everything he took from you or everything that has come into your life and stripped away your joy, God is about to restore it back to you. I'm telling you, listen, he says, he says, I'm going to restore it back to you. And when we get down to verse 13, he gives us a call for repentance. Here's what's key, my friends. Here's what's key. God wants to restore your life, but he calls for some actions. I got it, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> God wants to restore everything in your life. But it calls for some actions on our part. Amen. In verse 13, the prophet starts to lay out what they need to do. They need to repent. And that is not a very popular word in our day and age right now, is it? Huh? Come on. It's not a very popular word in our day and age right now. People want to continue to live their life the way they've been living their life. 
But here in the text, the scripture says something that God wants us to do something and he wants to do something spectacular in your life. But before he does something spectacular in your life, you got to do some things in your, you got to repent and turn. That's what it says. You can't expect God to move in your life if you're still holding on to stuff that the Lord told you told you to take your hands off of. You can't. He's not going to do something in your life if you're still holding on to things that he told you a long time ago to take your hands off of. Was I too loud with the baby in front of the speaker? I apologize. Please forgive me, Ashley. He was sleeping good too, wasn't he? God, he keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, Joel, Joel, look, look at this in chapter one, verse 13 and 14. He says, gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Well, you who minister before the altar, come lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. And here's what he's telling you. He says, you got to lament. You got to well. You got to cry. You got to get in sackcloth. Matter of fact, he said that things are so bad for you that you haven't even brought an offering back into the house of the Lord in a long time. That's what he said. Verse 14 says this, consecrate a fast. Call the sacred assembly, gather the elders, come on, and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. He's making appeal for us that we need to cry out to the Lord. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him you better cry out to God. Do it. You didn't even do it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you better cry out to God. That's what he's telling us to do. You better cry out to God. Let me tell y'all something. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. Okay. I got about another 45 minutes. I want to tell y'all something. In these, next few, in these next few minutes, guys, listen. You have an opportunity to situate yourself for God, come on, to bring back some restoration in your life. Over these next few moments, while you're in here, you need to situate yourself because it's the perfect opportunity for God to bring some restoration into your life. You have an opportunity to make a choice and to make some changes. When you get to verse 15 through 18, it begins to say this, and I'm not gonna read it. Read it when you have an opportunity, but God is saying, if you don't repent for what's already happened in your life, the next thing that comes in your life is gonna be a lot worse than what you've already experienced. I will tell you right now, I am a walking, living testimony of that. If you do not repent for what has already happened in your life, it's going to be a lot worse. So by the time he gets to chapter two, let's look at verse one right here in chapter two. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming and for it is at hand. God says, I want you to blow the trumpet and sound an alarm. I want you to tell the people that God is calling them to a place of holiness and to a place of repentance. That's what he's saying. I want you to live right. I'm calling you to holiness and repentance. 
I want you to sound the alarm because if they don't change now, he says, when it comes back around, it's going to be a whole lot worse than it ever was. Chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says this. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. I like that verse right there. Amen. God don't just want you to change your clothes. He wants you to change your heart too. Amen. He don't want you just to change your clothes. He says, rend your heart and your garments. He wants you to change your heart. Church folks can look real churchy when they come to church, don't they? Huh? And then they go back out when they leave church and live like hellions. Amen. Come on, I ain't, I'm preaching to myself. Amen. You look real churchy when you come to church. It says, rend your heart, not just your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is a gracious and merciful God. I like that. I like that. He said, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Don't you like that right there? I like that we serve a God that is gracious and merciful. Anybody in here glad that God didn't give you what you deserve? <laughs> Ain't you glad God didn't give you what you deserve? This is Restoration Church. Amen. Amen. We ain't got it all together. Look at y'all. <laughs> we recognize that we deserve judgment from God, but I promise you, God didn't judge you the way that he could have. I tell you, I bless his name because he kept me. I tell people all the time, I am so thankful that God didn't judge me the way he wanted to because I'm so thankful that God was fair with me. Rick, you know why? Because if he wasn't fair with me, he'd have to whoop me. Amen. He would have to whoop me. And I don't want no whooping. I thank the Lord that the text says right here in verse 13 that he is slow to anger. Anybody in here glad that God is slow to anger? Amen. Come on. And a great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Woo. That means he'll change his mind about what you might get. The word relent means he'll change his mind. That he relents from doing harm. He changed his mind about giving you what you deserve. Mm. Somebody ought to be getting saved right now because we serve a God who changed his mind. <laughs> Y'all better be getting saved right now because we serve a God who changed his mind about being fair with you. Ooh, come on. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says this. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes, get everybody together and let's repent, he says. Let's get everybody together and let's have a, have a moment of repentance. And then by the time you get over to verse 25, he lists the things that have challenged them. The swarming locusts, right? The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts. All these locusts have come in their life. Listen to this. The swarming locusts are the locusts that increase and bring confusion. They do what they do quickly. The swarming locusts is when something comes up in your life all of a sudden and, and you didn't expect it and you didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, bam. Right there, I just woke up the rest of the kids. You hear that? <laughs> bam. Smoke them all up. There it is in your life. You didn't even expect it happening. 
the crawling locusts are the young locusts. They're the strong locusts that, that don't want to ever die or give up. The consuming locusts are the ravengers. They come in and they, they wreak havoc and damage and they, they devour everything that's left. And then, and then the consuming locusts are the ravengers. Mm. Mm-mm. The chewing locusts devour it all. Whatever's left over, they make sure everything else is wiped out. And it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. As soon as you get through one issue, another issue comes up. As soon as you paid one bill and you had to scramble to get the money to pay that bill, then all of a sudden another issue comes up and all of a sudden something else comes knocking at your door. These locusts have come. But God wants you to know that everything that they have taken from you, he said, I am the God that will restore it back to you. That's what he said by the time you get to verse 25. I know you've been crying. I know you've been weeping. You felt like you didn't deserve it, but God wants you to focus on the first part of verse 25. He said, I will restore to you the years. The years. I will restore to you the years that these locusts have been coming. Listen to me. Some of you have been going through this for years. Amen. Year after year. You had hopes and you had dreams that everything would be better. But every time, the, this year's worse than the, than the previous year. And then it's just year after year after year and it gets worse. But God wants you to know this morning that your mess is over. It's just year after year after year of all this stuff. It's, it's nonstop. It don't go away year after year. Your crying is over. Well, except for that one. It just started. <laughs> Says your crying is over, your, your drama is over, your pain is over, it's done with. These locusts will have no more authority in your life. Amen. God says, I will restore. Let's look at verse 23 and 24. Said, be glad then you children of Zion. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not what it says. Let me reread that. It says, be glad, dear, you children of Restoration Church. That's what it says. Be glad, dear, you children of Restoration Church and rejoice in the Lord your God. I'm trying to tell y'all, God is about to do something spectacular in your life. Amen. It says, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Listen to this. The threshing floors will be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. God is about to break open the windows of heaven and do something spectacular in your life. Who am I preaching to this morning? He is about to open the windows of heaven and do something spectacular in your life. I'm telling you. Woo. Somebody in here has been crying. You've been moping, you've been concerned, you've been depressed, your joy is gone, your marriage is falling apart, your children are giving you hell, your health is down the pipe, all kind of stuff that's coming to you, but the king of glory is coming in and he is going to restore everything that the devil has taken from you. Mm. He's going to restore it. He's going to bring something powerful back in your life. Amen. 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 Well, what is it, pastor? What is it? Well, I, I, hey. <laughs> hey. I don't know about that, but 
<laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked the question. He says this. Look at verse 25. He says, I will restore to you the years. See that? How's he going to do it? Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. He says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. He said, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. That's the first thing he's going to do is he's going to take you to a place called plenty. Amen. Turn to somebody and say plenty. Tell them again. They didn't hear you. You ain't been there in a long time. You may have visited it every now and again, but God wants you to know right here in verse 26, he says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Amen. He's going to move you from broke to prosperity. He's going to move you from being alone to that situation's about to change. He's going to move you from hungry to satisfied. What it says right there. Mm. And he didn't just stop there. He said, and praise the name of the Lord your God. Hallelujah. He's going to move you to a second point, a place called praise. Some of y'all have lost your dance. Some of y'all lost your dance. Amen. You've lost your ability to worship God. Life's been so tough, you found it difficult to even worship God. But I'm telling you this morning at Restoration Church, come on, somebody. You're going to see God bringing your praise back. He's going to be bringing your praise back. You're going to shout. You're going to shout to the Lord and celebrate like you've never celebrated before. You're going to be dancing and ain't nobody even playing no music. Woo! You're going to be dancing ain't nobody even playing no music. He's about to give you a praise back. In verse 26, it says this. Gives us a third thing. Bless you. I call it purpose. I call it purpose. It says in verse 26, who has dealt wondrously with you. Come on. I like that right there. I like that right there. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that God has been dealing wondrously with you. See, I want to tell you this because that's kind of a troubling text for me, right? It's, it's, it's hard for me to, to wrap my mind around that when I read it because if you read the, the last part of verse 25, it talks about the swarming locusts and the crawling locusts and the consuming locusts and, and the chewing locusts. And, 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 and he says, my great army, which I sent among you, is what it says. He said he sent it. And then in verse 26, he says, but I have dealt wondrously with you. Hmm. The question is, was God the one that brought the locust? And why is that meaning that God has been working wondrously with me? What does that mean? Some of us have a theology that only good things come from God. Y'all got real quiet. Some of us have this theology that that only good things come from God. But I'm here to tell you that some of what's been happening to you, God sent it into your life. I know you're blaming the devil and the devil might have created it, but God had to allow it to happen. Amen. God had to give him permission. And why would God let 
The locusts come into your life. He would let the locusts come in because you were too arrogant to recognize that he was the one that woke you up anyway. Come on. It was him who gave you the job that you have. It was him who took you where you are in life. So sometimes he's got to take stuff from you to make you recognize where you got it from to begin with. I'm telling you. Some of y'all were only in church right now because you hit the bottom of the barrel and you didn't have nowhere else to go. Amen. And because you lost everything, you turned to God. Can I tell you, he dealt wondrously with you. Because you had nowhere else to go. You're only here. He dealt wondrously with you. In other words, he had a purpose. He had a purpose for those locusts. He had a purpose for your heartache. He had a purpose for your pain. And whatever it takes for God to bring you back to him, come on somebody, he'll make it happen. So you turn your heart to him. Somebody this morning has locusts all over their life. They have locusts all over their life. You got locusts in your marriage. You got locusts on your kids. You got locusts on your job. They're everywhere. Amen? They're everywhere. But I'm here to tell you that before the locusts chew everything up, you ought to turn your heart to Jesus. You ought to turn your heart to Jesus. You ought to repent and turn around and let him get rid of the locusts and restore you back to where he wants you to be. Mm. There's a purpose. God has dealt wondrously with you. Amen. Uh, He's been working this thing out and trying to get your attention. That's what he's been doing. Mm. He brought those locusts to make you repent and turn around. And you're here this morning. And I promise you, you ain't going to leave here the same way you came. Amen. You have a perfect opportunity to situate yourself this morning. Because you're going to walk out of here being restored. Amen. Jesus died on a cross so your sins could be forgiven. He got up and he walked out of that grave with all power and authority in his hands because he loves you and he wants to have a life with you. You are not going to leave here the same way you came. Did y'all see the peas that I did? Huh? Plenty. Praise, purpose. Because I wanted to present a powerful proclamation about the Prince of Peace. I wanted to perpetrate something that would be powerful and penetrating and make your heart palpitate with excitement because God is bringing plenty back into your life and he is bringing praise back into your life and he's bringing purpose back into your life and the last part of verse 26 says this and my people shall never be put to shame that's protection that's protection Everybody say protection. The devil had you before, but now God has given you protection. Amen. Tell somebody he's protected me. Tell them. 
The devil had his way long enough, and now God's going to start giving you some protection in your life. Restoration. Restoration, church. He's going to restore your soul. He's going to restore your marriage. He's going to restore your mind. He's going to restore your heart. He's going to restore your finances. He's going to restore your children. He's going to restore your job. Come on, somebody. He's going to restore everything that the devil took from you. He's binding Satan right now. He's getting rid of the locusts in your life right now. Hallelujah. Y'all going to start seeing some things change in your life right now. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, so I will restore. I will restore. He said, your vats will be refilled. Your barns will be filled. Somebody this morning needs to get saved in here this morning. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get saved this morning. Right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this room. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a God who will restore.